CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday, and that means it is time for Options Action. I'm Sarah Eisen, in tonight for Melissa Lee, live from the NASDAQ market site in New York's Times Square. Here's what is coming up. Despite budding optimism, an undercurrent of concern still permeates the markets. Carter Worth charts out a haven to try and keep your portfolios as healthy as possible. Then, Starbucks. For some consumers, it's discretionary. For others, it's a staple. We'll find out how that's balancing out when the company reports results next week. In the meantime, Scott Nations is brewing up a strategy. Finally, be like Buffett. Good old Berkshire stock is up solidly for the month. It reports results next weekend. If the equity itself is too rich for your blood, my co has an option strategy to parallel its plays. It's time to risk less to make more. Options action starts right now. Welcome, everyone. Before we hit some of those trades, let's talk about today's market action because stocks ripped higher to close out the fourth week of gains. The Dow jumping more than 800 points on pace for its best month since 1976. The S&P 500 jumping about two and a half percent and the tech heavy Nasdaq leading the gains, climbing nearly three percent. Carter, what do you make of the rally, especially in the face of some pretty brutal earnings reactions in big tech? Right. I mean, one of the things about having a, a particularly good month, which we did, is almost always follows a particularly bad month. It's the name of the game. But I, the, when I have client conversations, one of the things that keeps coming up is this. Hey, listen, we're in that home stretch. We know there's seasonality on our side. We know there's always year-end rally potential, post-election potential, and that there's nothing to hit us now. Earnings are out of the way. Fed, we kind of know they'll do a little bit more, but maybe not crazy. And so let's run this thing. Okay, but that's not an investment thesis. That's just a, a, a maybe. So you're not convinced? No. Scott, what about you? I'm not particularly convinced either, Sarah. I mean, if you told me that the 10-year yield was going to fall by 30 basis points in the course of a week, I would say, of course you want to be long stocks. So I'm not that surprised, except for, and you pointed this out, the fact that it did so in the face of really unfortunate results from Amazon and Meta. Sarah, so the thing that really sticks out to me is that upside calls, so one standard deviation out of the money, 30-day calls, have never been as expensive as they are right now when compared to out-of-the-money puts. So mm. people are obviously buying calls because they're bullish or they're hoping that the Fed is going to throttle things back and they know that if that news comes out, then the rally is going to be vicious and it's going to be really quick and they don't want to miss it. So people are loading up on out-of-the-money calls in the S&P. Yeah, so sort of the FOMO effect. Mike, are, would you buy it? Yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, the first is that, you know, we, you will see in bear markets very sharp rallies. We've had a couple already. This is one of them, but it's actually one of the most mild. We've had two rallies in a declining market this year that have been greater than 10%. This one isn't quite 
as large as the previous two. So the important point I would make is that, you know, just the fact that we've had a good move off of the recent lows isn't evidence enough. And I'd ask people to think about something else, too, which is that as we go through this earnings season and we're reflecting on some results that are not that great, consider this. The impact of higher rates, the impact of what everybody's concerned about, which is a slowing economy, aren't baked into those results. That's something that we are going to see in the future. So I think what we're going to have to see is real evidence of mitigation uh, on the inflation front so that we really can take stock of the idea that the Fed is going to pause potentially in the near term future and will have good cause to. Because if they don't, if they slow down the pace of their rate increases and try to rein in the monetary supply and we don't see a meaningful decline in inflation thereafter, then we're going to be right back. And that's what happened in the 1970s, too. That was the the situation that Arthur Burns faced and the one that Paul Volcker ultimately tried to resolve. Crushed. Yeah, no, then, then you get mm-hmm. into reputational issues as well. So just if you're keeping score 19% off the high, it sounds like three for three of you say this is just a bear market bounce. As markets continue to climb, the chart master is looking at one group that could act as some good insurance for your portfolio, Carter. Sure. So there's um, managed care. If, if you think about it, the beauty of this particular area of the market within healthcare is that it is truly domestic, right? Uh, managed care stocks, health insurance stocks don't care about Putin or oil or the US dollar, and they are tremendous long-term performers. In fact, since inception, managed care has doubled the performance of the entire S&P healthcare sector. And it just looks like more yeah. of the same. Let's look at a few charts. So the first is a comparative chart. It's just, you can see two lines, two colors, and one, of course, the top one, that's the S&P 500 managed care sub-industry group, Humana, United Healthcare, Molina, and so forth. The laggard there is the S&P. Let's look at the same thing on a five-year basis, comparative chart. And what you see here is this divergence, which is to say that healthcare managed care has never really faltered, even as we've had a very bad year and now a bit of a bounce. So the question is where from here? Look at this next iteration. This is in the entire bull market, 2009 to present. That is a mathematically perfect 45 degree angle. That is the S&P 500 managed care sub-industry group. And it's not even to the top of the channel. It's just mid-range. So United Healthcare, it's the big player within the group. Uh, we can end with this. Take a look at UNH's chart. UNH's high today was 553. That horizontal line drawn along the top, its high in April was 553. It's the exact same price it was exactly six months ago. Not extended, has had a nice rest. That is the precondition more often than not for a breakout. We would play it for just that. Three, three very convincing bullish charts. Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, so I, you know, this is a company I think you can really get behind. It's, it's hard to imagine. You can't actually create a chart where you can compare the earnings growth of United Healthcare to the S&P because it would diverge so radically that you wouldn't actually see the earnings growth in the S&P since 1987 or so at all. It is that profound a difference. In fact, the stock is a 5,000 bagger since the last quarter of 1987. I mean, it's a really well-managed company. It's in a space that's economically insensitive, and it's in a portion of the economy that grows more rapidly than the economy itself. That said, it is, of course, at all-time highs, and that presents a challenge. It's also a fairly expensive stock. One share of it's 550 bucks. 
So I think one of the things that can be done in an environment like this, if you're concerned about, generally speaking, equity market pullbacks, if you're concerned about chasing stocks at all-time highs, you want to risk less than purchasing a big block of stock would, I actually would look out to December and buy a call spread. So when I was looking at this earlier today, actually the stock was slightly below 550, but I was looking at the December 550 600 call spread. At that time, you would spend about 17 bucks and some change to buy it. Uh, of course, you have to remember, when you're buying options, you have to consider the multiplier. That's Each contract represents 100 shares, so the actual purchase price of this is going to be about $1,750, but that is just a little bit more than the purchase price of three shares of stock. I'm not suggesting that that's exactly the way you should think about the risk here, but the $1,750 outlay is the most you could potentially lose if the stock does not break out. You would have exposure, of course, to much more than the three or four shares that that capital would otherwise get you. UNH, it's up about 10% this year, so it's, other healthcare stocks are outperforming, but to Mike's point, at a record high, Scott, what's your take on the name? Uh, I, I like all of the businesses that you have to own. And let's face it, you have to own companies like United Healthcare. The interesting thing is that they're a little insulated from one of the biggest problems in the broad market, and that is labor costs. Uh, labor costs for healthcare have gone up 35% in the, la- in the two years since the end of COVID. That's a problem for providers, and that's a little, that's not really a problem for, for an insurer. Uh, to, to Mike's trade, we, in the past we've talked about the cost of the spread versus the width of the spread, and this makes tremendous sense in that regard because he's getting along a call right where the market is. He's paying about 35% of the width of the spread, and given that, again, that that, that first call is right at the money, then this makes a lot of sense. We're going to switch gears now and look at Starbucks because the stock has seen some jitters over the last few months. The coffee chain's outperforming the broader market in that time frame, but Scott's not so sure that this latte stays hot as investors gear up for earnings next week. Why not, Scott? Well, Starbucks right now has more problems than most companies. It's a discretionary purchase. I think it's absolutely a discretionary purchase. And that's just one of the problems. The other problems are the company has had substantial executive turnover in the past month. Uh, the, the fact that the head of trading, the head of the supply chain have left, their COO has left, and they're not even going to re- replace that person. They're going to do away with that business. I'm not certain how you do that in a business that is so client-facing. Um, I mentioned labor costs when it comes to health care. Labor costs are going to be a real problem for Starbucks as more stores unionize. And then let's talk about China. Uh, They have a tremendous presence in China, and we all know that COVID is shutting down everything in China. They have 6,000 stores there of the 35,000 stores they have total, so about 17%. So given that the stock is expensive to begin with, 28 PE forward-looking, I am bearish on Starbucks, given all of these challenges and all of these problems. I think the way to express that bearishness is in the December expiration to buy the 85.75 put spread. When I put this together in the middle of the day, you could buy that for a net of $2.55. So about a Mm. quarter of the width of the spread. And that means the max loss is what you pay. Uh, Break even is 82.45, but your max profit, almost seven and a half dollars if we get uh, the break in Starbucks prices that I expect. The discretionary point is interesting, Carter, because on the the last show, we were having a discussion about why Courtney likes the stock because Tim pays 
an ever higher price for his latte. I think he's past five bucks and, yes. and considers it a staple. What's your take? Well, that's right. And so Grasso uh, was uh, didn't like it. And uh, uh, look, I, I think it's a fantastic chart pattern. And so uh, that's what makes a market. Uh, Starbucks has all the hallmarks of a bearish to bullish reversal. And what we know is it bottomed way before the S&P. And to some, it, of course, it's the unbelievable staple. It's a drug. You have to have it. And some people, of course, think it's discretionary. It gets to be five bucks. I'm going to get my coffee elsewhere. But as patterns go, that is the definition of something that has made a turn that is reversing from bear to bull. Mike, thoughts? Said, said it's, we got a bull and a bear here. Yeah, so in the middle of the day, you know, on, in California, which is where I am, you have to get up pretty early in the morning. So around noon, one o'clock in the afternoon, I'm getting a little laggard. And usually what happens is I will run to the nearby Starbucks. I haven't thought of any other place to go, frankly, to get my coffee. The valuation troubles me a little bit, and I understand the pressures in China. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit torn here. I have no position in the stock. Uh, but I haven't stopped buying their product. Uh, I buy quite a lot of it, actually. So as far as I'm concerned, I think it is a little bit of a staple. Still to come, winning like Warren. Tried and true, Berkshire Hathaway is the biggest non-tech name in the S&P, and it's up more than 10% for the month. Mike Coe will show us how to play alongside the Oracle for less. And for everything options action, you can check out our website and newsletter. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. A lot comes to mind when you think of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. But did you know that out of the top six names in the S&P 500, it's the only one that is not tech, and it's the only one that is not down dramatically this year. In fact, it's up 10% or so for the month. Mike Coe, is there more to this, and how can we all be like Buffett here? I think that's a question everybody who is a long-term investor would like to ask themselves. Look, there are no living investors other than Charlie Munger and, and Warren Buffett here who have been at it as long and as successfully as those two have and have seen as many bear markets as those two have and managed to navigate them successfully. Very successfully, I think it's safe to say. So as we look at Berkshire Hathaway, I think we kind of need to think about both the good and the bad. Let's start with the good first. Uh, first of all, it is, as you pointed out, this is a diversified company. Uh, so they have diversified streams of earnings, and they're not tech-related per se, although they do uh, have a big chunk of Apple. You know, We don't think of them as a tech company. We think of them as an insurance company, industrials, and things like that. But of course, they're the largest shareholder in Apple. So uh, I think it's safe to say that they do have exposure to tech as well. The other thing is, take a look at how uh, the company did manage to do over the course of the last couple of years. They have been quite profitable in a really tough environment. And the other thing is they have just a massive pile of cash on the balance sheet. All of those things 
are good, especially when you consider that they need to invest and they are now going to be investing at more distressed prices. Of course, it's not all uh, sunshine and roses. I mean, there are some bad things too. So we could take a look at some of those. First of all, inflation does create some pressures for the business. Uh, it is an input cost in many of them. Uh, railroads, I think, are a good example. And railroads are tied to the economy. So they're facing both higher costs uh, and then potentially lower revenues. And that's a, a challenge, although they have been able to pass through some fuel costs. The other thing is that they have a big reinsurance business, and, and that's going to be hit by uh, things like Hurricane Ian. When you put all of these things together, though, uh, I think what we could expect is maybe fairly modest moves going forward. This is not a company that moves a great deal on earnings. In fact, its average move off of earnings is about 1.8%, which is to be one of the lowest, uh, meaning that you know most people will look at this thing, they've priced in a lot of the activity already. So I think a way to do this, and of course, it has a relatively a low volatility generally, is to look at a call calendar spread. And specifically, the one I was looking at was a November-January call calendar. Looking out to January, buying the at-the-money 300-strike calls. Those were about 14 bucks when I was looking at that earlier today. Selling the 307.5 calls against it for November, that was going to collect about $3.65. Quick point I would make, I generally don't like to sell uh, options on stocks, especially in this kind of a circumstance, for less than about 1% of the stock price. So you'll notice here we're collecting more than 1%. This is gonna give you peak profits if the stock just gravitates slightly north. You're gonna see some accelerated decay in those shorter dated options because they do capture earnings. But as I pointed out, this isn't mm. a company that moves a great deal on earnings. And of course, your absolute risk is gonna be limited to the total amount of premium that you spent, but you're not gonna see those total losses if the stock does happen to decline after earnings, even down to that lowest level. Uh, immediately following earnings because there's some time to go yeah. on the January side. Also, really good point about the, the large exposure to Apple in terms of its holding. Carter, what do the charts say? You know, uh, from my seat, this is what a pair of twos is. It's not particularly bearish. It's not particularly bullish, which is to say you don't bet big when your hand is not big. It's not a, a great moment. I've got three identical charts. Uh, you can draw the lines any way one wants, but my eye sees this. Uh, we're basically stuck at the top of the range. If you, could, if you excuse that blowout to the top in late 21, early 22, another way to draw the lines would be converging trend lines. We're basically at the apex. We're kind of like neither fish nor fowl. And then finally, same chart again, and using the smoothing mechanism, the 150 day moving average, we rallied right to it. And I think we're likely to be uh, range bound here, uh, likely to be sort of a non-event. Scott, that, well, that's not that's not very sexy. What's your take? Uh, I guess that's the whole point of Berkshire. There you, exactly. <laughs> we, because we all love Warren Buffett. We all love the company. I love this sort of a trade structure because Mike is going to use the vol crush that's likely to come just as soon as earnings are, are, are released uh, in the option that he is selling. The one thing you do have to think about when it comes to earnings in Berkshire is the goofy way that they now have to report earnings mean that uh, that that given the nature of the business, the earnings are not indicative of the success of the business. And so don't pay attention to uh, big unrealized losses in their stock portfolio, as Warren Buffett would say. He loves to have the stock market lower because he's got all that money to invest. And I bet you he invests a bunch this year. In what? Well, you know, the well, sort of thing that accidental. he loves, well, it, and, and that's done really well. I mean, you can think of the sorts of businesses that he likes to buy. 
Uh, you know, why isn't he buying some of the big industrial machinery names like Caterpillar or Deer? He no longer has to take those companies over. He can buy a huge portion of that and put a huge portion of his of his free cash to work and own uh, wonderful, wonderful businesses. All right, we'll, we'll pass the word along. Um, up next, we're taking a look back on Scott's energy trade. Options action, back in a moment. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to update you on a past trade last month that Scott laid out as a way to play on ExxonMobil. Listen. While crude oil's had a tough time, uh, in general, energy prices have stabilized. We saw what happened in gasoline prices early in the year, and then they came back down. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. And if you look at the names, for example, ExxonMobil, you know, that stock is back into the middle of the range that it's enjoyed for most of the year by selling an iron condor. Let's not get too flummoxed by this by the terminology. We do that in November by selling an 80 strike put and a 95 strike call and limiting our risk by buying a 75 strike put and a 100 strike call. So that trade hung out in the green for a while, but then Exxon's gains pushed it into the red, Scott. So what do you do now? Well, Sarah, this was a gut punch when it came to uh, the so uh, Russia, Russia, and the Saudis uh, cutting back oil production. That just lit a fire under all the energy names. This is now way past that 100 strike call. So there's really nothing to do here. There's there's no way to to rejuvenate the trade or rehabilitate the trade. You know, this is the reason we use options. We used a unique trade setup, a unique strategy to limit risk, and uh, we've done that. All right, up next, final call. Stick with us on Options Action. Time now for the final call. Carter, we'll start with you. Managed care stocks, they're offensive and defensive. United Healthcare is poised to break out. Yeah, that was a beautiful chart. Scott, what about you? A $5 latte is a luxury <laughs> by put spreads in Starbucks. So says you, Mike. What about you? Call spreads in UNH. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday, 5.30. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.